tonight we'll be looking at Psalm chapter 62, uh, which is found on page 344 of the Bible next to you, and I'm going to read just verses 5 through 8. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is a refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Let's pray together. Father, as we enter into your presence and um, seek to wrestle with what you've said to us, we just pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that the things that are so hard for us to comprehend with the eyes on our heads, that you would enable us to comprehend them with the eyes on our hearts, so that we would be molded and shaped into your people, that the gospel would be massaged into our hearts, that we would find our rest in you. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, well, welcome to Regeneration. My name's Kyle. I'm the pastor here. And tonight we're kicking off a three-week series called Finding God. And it's about the ways that we find God, simply enough. It's about the ways that we encounter him. And if you've been at Regeneration for a while, we've done the sermons on prayer, and we've done the sermons on the Bible, and so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at those peculiar ways, or maybe unexpected ways, that we can find God in the average, ordinary corners of our, our everyday lives. In three weeks, we'll be talking about finding God across generations, uh, and next week, we'll talk about finding God in change, and this week, we're talking about finding God in rest finding God in rest. When I like to rest, I, I like to read. I do a lot of reading uh, when I'm resting, and I hope it's not tremendously disappointing to you, and I hope it doesn't actually make me lose a whole lot of street cred with you, that when I tend to read, I tend to read uh, science fiction and fantasy novels voraciously. Uh, it's borderline an addiction, but since I've acknowledged it's a problem, it's not that bad. Um, <laughs> What's helpful about this addiction is that, uh, or almost addiction, is that because I have an iPad where I do most of my reading, I'm never shamed by having books with dragons on the covers in public. Uh, you just think I'm reading something smart and adult, but the reality is I'm often reading uh, the books that I've read since childhood over and over again, one of those being The Lord of the Rings. Um, I read The Lord of the Rings trilogy by J.R.R. Tolkien when I was in sixth grade, which it's important to note that timeline because I read the books before the movies came out, which means that I was like read them before they were cool, all right? And that's also important for you to know. Uh, and I, I return to this book, very, very rarely do I ever reread books. My mom always used to say, Kyle, reading, uh, reading is so good and your life is too short for you to reread books, but one that I often take with me on vacation or to the beach is The Lord of the Rings, and I'll just read chapters or, or particular parts that I like, and there's this quote, and Dylan, I think I have it on the screen. It's a quote by Bilbo Baggins, who plays a major feature in the, the book The Hobbit and those movies that you may have seen, and 
Bilbo Baggins' life has been stretched unnaturally long by having in his possession a magic ring. And on his 111th birthday, his 111st birthday, his friends from all over the town and really all over the world gather to celebrate him, and Gandalf the Grey is his closest friend, and in a moment of authenticity, a moment of honesty, he, Bilbo says this, he says, I am old, Gandalf. I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel it in my heart of hearts, well-preserved indeed, why I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something. And I think there's moments in our lives when we we feel this way. We feel stretched. We feel thin. We feel like butter over too much bread. If you're a college student, it's probably finals week. If you're a parent, it's the week before school starts. If you're a grandparent, it's parenting your adult children. But in all of these scenarios, we have these moments where we feel stretched and thin and scraped like butter over too much bread, and and we need, in those moments, rest. We need reprieve. We need refreshment. And so tonight, I want to answer this question, really. What do I do to refresh when I'm tired? What do I do to refresh when I'm tired. And to start off, I'd like you to do that thing we do, which is I'm going to ask you to get into a group of about three or four people. And in that group, I want you to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Kyle. Uh, And I would like you then to answer this question just with each other over about two or three minutes. What is making you tired? What is making you tired? What makes you feel stretched? If you were to ask me over the last two weeks, it would have been um, painting the inside of our house. We, we painted every room at our house, which we fully acknowledge as a choice, and yet we wanted to do it. Uh, and I've woken up in the night and my arm's been doing this, doing a rolling motion, I'm just kidding. What is making you tired? I want you to talk about that in groups of three or four for about two or three minutes. Is the task clear? Awesome, on your mark, get set, go. I had this sudden realization, I was looking around the room and I thought, there are a large number of people that could answer the question, what's making you tired? With Kyle is making me tired. (laughs) So I suddenly got a little nervous. Um, Better not have been your answer. It wasn't, good answer. Um, Against the, sometimes it just feels like there's so much of life that sticks a straw in you and just wants to suck it out. And it's our jobs and it's our families and it's our, friends and it's our finances. I mean, it's just so much that wants to get us and over and against that. We read in Psalm 62, just these first two verses in the Bible in front of you, which is the New Living Translation. It says, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Just for our purposes tonight, I'm actually using a version slightly different than what's in front of you. And that version says this, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. St. Augustine, who you may have read in a philosophy class in college, maybe called him Augustine, once said that our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. We were created to find rest and refreshment in this deep, 
um, connection with Jesus so that when we're exhausted and when we're worn thin and when we're stretched and we're scraped like butter over too much bread, we're recharged by him and in his presence. And for some of us, that's an alien concept. For some of it's weird, like how does someone I've never seen or heard or smelled or, or touched uh, refresh me? Uh, but something so tangible comes from something so intangible on some level. When we were in Arizona back in May, I actually had an unusual amount of margin to journal and to pray and to read the Bible and to read a devotional and just be thinking about some things. And I say unusual because when we fly to Arizona in my parents' house, our, my parents, my three younger brothers, their girlfriends, their friends, and three dogs, one of whom is blind from diabetes, and so, um, which they just got a pool. It's going to be hilarious. And um, we, we, sorry, I think that's just funny. Anyway, we in that moment when I was actually able to have like a moment of quiet or a moment of peace and actually begin to think about something, I came back from vacation, for lack of a better word, feeling not so dry and crusty inside and somehow feeling more myself and somehow feeling more energized to be able to handle um, what was coming and not to be so grumpy and anxious and frustrated about it. There's something about having a deep connection with Jesus that is nurtured regularly that somehow in some ways that we can't entirely explain, gives us the rest that we need. And yet the challenge is, instead of going to the rest that we were created for, the one on whom our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him, until we, we find that rest, we choose restlessness over and over again. And we often choose find restlessness because we choose to rest in the wrong things. Particularly, Psalm 62 identifies three of them. The first being people, the second being position, and the third being prosperity. People, position, and prosperity. And I, I want to look at each of those just briefly, but in verses three and four, the text says um, this, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. When we get tired, when we get exhausted, when we get worn out, we often gravitate toward people in order to refresh us. Now let me be clear about something. There is such a thing as what I would call tank-filling people. When we were in Chicago last weekend, we spent a lot of time at a wedding and then at a church that I served previously in Illinois and with families there and with some professors from my undergrad. And those are people that when I am with them, I leave energized and excited and feeling cared for and loved. But here's the problem in our lives, people. For every one person that we have that makes us feel tank-filled and loved and accepted, there's like 30,000 that have like stuck a straw in the side of us and we are just draining out. There are more tank-filling people in our lives than not, and this is why, there are more tank-draining people in our lives than not, and this is why. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. The problem with people is that they can't be relied on to be consistent. And they ultimately leave us feeling more tired, more grumpy, and, and more exhausted than when we started. And so out of our restlessness that we didn't find that rest in that people, we'll often look to position. And so verses 9 and 10 say, Surely the lowborn are but a breath, and the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. 
Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Let me get to the last part of verse 10 in a second, but look at this. These verses are about position. And as far as I know, nobody at regeneration is royalty, so we don't have any necessarily like high-born people. And yet what this text is pointing to is that the positions in life that we seek ultimately are meaningless. They're like a breath. I mean, I can't like, like hold on. I mean, it just doesn't go anywhere. And here's what I mean by position, because you may not think of yourself as having a position, but this is what we do in life. When I was in high school, I thought, when I get to Moody, when I get to my undergrad, then I will be happy and content and satisfied and, re- and find the rest that I want. And then you get there and you realize, mm, maybe not. Maybe when I have these friends, maybe when I graduate, maybe when I start dating someone, maybe when I get engaged, maybe when I get married, maybe when I get a ma- go to a master's degree c- program, maybe when I... Um, get to be at a church. Maybe when the church I'm serving, I actually like. I do like you, by the way. And, and maybe, maybe when I finish my master's degree, and maybe when we can move out of this apartment, and maybe when we can move into a bigger house, and maybe when we have kids, and then, I'm guessing, maybe when my kids are not toddlers anymore, maybe when my kids are in elementary school, maybe when my spouse has a better job, maybe when we have more money, maybe when we can go on that vacation, maybe when I can have, um, maybe when I get a better job, and then it's my kids are older, maybe when my kids get out of my hair and graduate high school, and then it's maybe when my kids are out of college and I don't have to pay for it anymore, and then it's my grandchildren are over and they won't go away because I just need some me time, and we, we chase after these positions over and over again. When I start my nonprofit, when I open my business, when I finish this degree, when I get the ring on my finger, when I get the promotion, when I get, and here's what you find out. You reach the goalpost only to turn around and find that it moved. And you're just left you and tired and frustrated and then we're still restless. And so then we think, all right, well, maybe if it wasn't the people and it wasn't the position, maybe it's the stuff. Maybe when I have the iPad or the Xbox or the iPhone, maybe it's when I have those clothes or that car or that toy or those toys or all the things that I need to pay for those toys. Maybe when I can have that house, when I can have these cars, when I can have the Florida house, when I can have this, when I can have this much in my retirement, when I know I have this much in my IRA. It just continues to be draining because it can't be relied upon. I love the way that we sang that song. It says... um, Um, riches come and riches go, don't set your heart upon them. Because when we try to find our rest and our, our energizing in money, our energy level is going to rise and dip with our bank account. Our energy is going to rise and dip with our income. Our, our energy is going to rise and dip with the stock market. And so two things on this before I go anywhere else. If you've been blessed with a lot of money, do not set your heart upon that because the life that Jesus is inviting us to is one where we are freed from the shackles of what our online banking screen says. Because when our hearts are shackled to that, we we just won't find rest. We'll only find anxiety if you have a lot. But then again, if you have a little, don't live your life waiting for the day you make more. Don't spend every moment waiting to be rested upon the extra zero on the end of your annual income. And, and here's the deal. I am so acutely aware that it's, it's hard to make ends meet, and I am so acutely aware of what it is to be in debt up to your eyeballs. But, but here's the deal. 
the rest that you seek, the reward that you really desire is not a paycheck, it is not a dollar bill, it is not um, found in your Chase account, it is found in the true delight of our souls. It is Jesus. What we need when we get tired, what we need when we feel stretched is not people or, or positions or prosperity. What we need is actually Jesus. We need God. I mean, look at verses uh, 11 and 12. One thing God has spoken two things I have heard. In the version in front of you, it says, God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you will repay all people according to what they have done. I love the NIV, how it says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. What you need to know about the Hebrews is that when they were writing the Bible, they couldn't just run out to Office Max and buy another pen and like a sheet of paper. And so every word they wrote down, they wrote down super intentionally. And so they often didn't repeat themselves. They used other means to make themselves emphatic. But when, when, a, when the Hebrew writer, when a psalmist repeats, repeats what he just said or makes an, a point of it, it's like a highlighter with bold text, italicized, underlined, and like circled in another highlighter color to point us to this. He says, he says one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, power, belongs to you. And, and when we go to prosperity or, or a position or people, those are cutting, at, for lack of a better word, those are cutting us checks that are going to bounce. They're, they're giving us a drink of something that's only going to leave us more thirsty. It's going to be like um, when you um, eat bad food and are hungry an hour later. Because the one in whom we find the rest we desire, the one in whom recharges us as we seek after him is the Lord. And, and, and here's the other thing that I love about this text. It says, unfailing love is yours. Here's the truth. People, positions, prosperity, I mean, they have no obligation to love you. They have no obligation to Seek your highest good unconditionally. That's what it means to love. Unfailing love doesn't belong to your best friend or your girlfriend or your fiance or your husband. Unfailing love doesn't belong to what you own. Unfailing love doesn't belong to the position that you have. Unfailing love, the one, the one that seeks your highest good and rest is the Lord. And yet, here's what's interesting about this text is it has two tones to it. it. It has a couple of ideas of not only do we find rest that recharges, it's about finding what can bear the weight of a soul. And here's the problem with money and people and, and our positions is they cannot, they cannot, they cannot bear the weight of a soul. They just can't. And so just like um, a chair um, that I once sat in that collapsed entirely underneath me, which made me hire a personal trainer. Not kidding, but I, I have sat on chairs that broken underneath me and it's made me self-conscious. These things can't bear the weight of a soul. The text says, um, 
in, in verses 1 and 2, it says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Our hearts are restless, Augustine said, until they find um, their rest in Him. And, and what's striking to me tonight is as we come um, to this communion table and we respond to the Lord, um, He invites us to find our rest even at this table. He invites us to find our rest um, in something as simple as um, a cup and some bread. This meal, um, this table was a meal prepared actually just like an hour ago. Um, But I think by Bella, I think she ripped this up. Um, She often does. And yet the hands that made it actually prepared it a long time ago. The hands that made it prepared it so that you would find rest for your soul, which is why we make it a point to celebrate this every week. Not because uh, we're very religious and need to make sure we check all the boxes, but because something happens at this table that refreshes us. We meet Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my weight upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. At this table, we are reminded, we are put back together, we taste and see that he gives us the rest we need. So in a couple, just a moment here, Mackenzie and the team will lead us in a song. Um, And whenever you're ready, you can come up. Uh, You'll see some people giving. That means they take the envelope in there and the money that we get at Regeneration is so that people can find Jesus through what we do. Jesus said, um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what's fascinating is that as we give away what we've been given, we find ourselves more rested and content. That's just the bear in the, in the ceiling. Don't worry about it. We find ourselves more rested and content. And so if you're giving tonight, you can drop it in this basket. Um, and then you can take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. Um, and as we say, taste and see that the Lord is good. But first, let me pray. Jesus, we confess that um, in our exhaustion, there's so many other places that we go. And so we just pray, Father, that you would help us to find really what we're looking for. Help us to find the rest that we need in the midst of our craziness and help it to be rest that sticks. Jesus, I know there's a lot more questions than answers when it comes to stuff like this. And so I just pray that um, even this meal, even our conversations tonight would be pointing us to who you're inviting us to be and to know and to be loved by. Pour out your spirit on these gifts of bread and cup that they might become to us the body and blood of Christ so that in eating the bread and drinking the cup, we may taste and see that you are so stinking good.
and that power and unfailing love belong to you. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The table is ready.
my prayer for you this week is that even if you're just a tiny bit tired when you leave, that at least this hour was somehow a little bit refreshing. And my prayer is that uh, as you pursue the one who knows you and loves you, that you would find the rest that you're really looking for. We'll be right back here next week at six o'clock. I can't wait to see you. Would you bring somebody with you too? That'd be awesome. We'll see you.